welcome back to the Tecmo Bros Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Andy. Week one is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to have football back full time. A lot of boomer busts. Let's see who succeeded. And if we have to panic or not about your studs. Let's see what we got. All right, we're going to start off right away with a Thursday night game. Everybody loves Thursday night games. Game one of the regular season 2019 kicked off with the Packers visiting the Bears at Soldier Field. And wow, this one was a barn burner, Andy. I got to Oh, man. You. Can you believe the score? It's amazing. It was 10 to 3. I mean, I have not seen scoring like that since... Um, since the last Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty crazy. That's a, that's, that's, good. that's a good one. So, uh, Green Bay comes out with a victory in this one. Uh Nobody really kind of saw that coming. The Bears' defense is amazing. The Packers looked not amazing last year. Especially after that first quarter of just the Bears shutting the Packers down. I mean, nobody knew what to think with LeFleur coming in on the offense, but his average Joes managed to squeak out the victory in the end. I'm going to keep making that that reference all season long. Uh, The players to look at here, uh, the top performers, uh, of course, you had on the Bears' side of the field, you had Tariq Cohen, uh, doing the most work in the running back position for the Bears. Well, most work in the sense of the highest scoring running back, I believe, in standard PPR formats because he was your number not one a, rushing receiver. Not a ton of points there. I think Tariq Cohen owners were expecting a little more out of him. I mean, the only bear you wanted to have from the Thursday night game was Allen Robinson. That's the other th- uh, shining point from the Bears. Mr. Biscuits, Mitch Trubisky, managed to uh, kind of tunnel vision Allen Robinson quite a bit. I feel like if you're an Allen Robinson owner, you have to look forward to this season as uh, we always have this adage, bad quarterbacks like to focus on one guy at a time. And that's the guy he's going to target. I mean, with this three-headed running back situation where Cohen is mostly a receiver at this point, I mean, do you want to own any of the Bears running backs? At this point, between Mike Davis, uh, the new guy. Montgomery. Thank you. I have him on my team. I don't even actually. Montgomery. Yeah. And uh, Tariq Cohen, I I just don't see anybody else performing like Cohen can do, especially in a PPR format. Uh, on the Packers side of the field, uh, Aaron Rodgers not quite looking like the goat that he uh, is expected to be, but in such a low-scoring affair, I mean, to come out without an interception, uh, a touchdown, a handful of yards, me- you know, mediocre performance, but a clean performance at that. I would agree, and you got to look at, uh, you know, we talked about in the opening studs that uh, crashed a little bit this week, uh, both Rodgers and Devonta Adams both kind of crashed a bit. You own them both in our league. Uh, are yes, you panicking at all? No, I'm not. I mean, the Bears defense is what we thought they were. They so are, your panic meter's strong. at about a zero here. My panic meter's at a zero. Uh, from watching the game, the Bears definitely plan to shut down Devontae Adams as much as possible. They tried to connect. He caught four of eight passes, so they were trying to throw it his way, but the Bears are doing their best to say, hey, beat us with somebody else. And they managed to do that by finding Jimmy Graham, actually. If you're looking at uh, any of the players on the, the Packers to – produce uh one of the least likely you know we expected with Lafleur's offense very tight end focused for somebody to emerge as the top pass catcher uh the analysts over at espn and nfl.com thought it would be jimmy graham and sure enough week one jimmy graham only guy on the packers to catch a touchdown do you think that is going to repeat itself i do uh we saw the success of delaney walker 
in Tennessee under LaFleur, um, minus he got hurt last year, of course. But uh, very tight end focused offense along with a run-heavy offense. However, Packers couldn't quite replicate the run-heavy offense because the Bears' defensive line is so stout. But So in the end, uh, I think what, what we're trying to say here is Jimmy Graham, if he continues to be able to catch the ball, last year his broken thumb kind of kept him from being able to do that. Uh, if he can catch the ball, he should still be a focus of this offense. Uh, so long as they don't try to spread it around to Mercedes Lewis. Or... And you got to look at it. He's probably your number two target in Green Bay besides Devonta Adams. I mean, do you trust MVS is going to be a true number two? Do you trust Aaron Jones to be any type of dual threat back? Or is Jimmy Graham kind of your number two target? I still, uh, Aaron Jones owners out there don't panic. I think that they tried to get him going and the engine just wouldn't start. Uh, they were up against a Mack truck and it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but it, looking forward, they definitely want to keep him as part of the game plan. Both teams kind of abandoned the run early and just went to pass, pass, pass. Basically. And what the result of that was uh, kind of a lame game scoring-wise for fantasy. Uh, owners out there, it's week one. Don't panic. Uh, I know there was a lot of high-scoring games on Sunday. It's a Thursday game. Right. Now, but the last thing about the Thursday game here before we, uh, we go on, uh, points-wise, some of the highest scores were the defenses of both squads. Uh, in terms of the Packers' defense, are they a must-own now? I think going forward, uh, if you look at the NFC North and the Packers, you know, will see the Bears again. They will see the Vikings twice. They will see the Lions twice. Uh, none of these teams seem unbeatable. I think that the Packers' defense, if they can continue to perform like they did against Mr. Biscuits, uh, they can be a top defense in this league. Now, uh, in the past, the Packers have not been able to stay consistent on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, we will see. We will see. They were getting a lot of pressure on uh, the quarterback. They were doing well. Uh, uh, for the Bears' defense, absolutely must-own. They all held right. the team to 10 points. They they sacked City on Rodgers, of all people. Uh, but keep an eye on the, the Packers' DST for uh, – for, for going forward as they might surprise you as one of the top scorers. Awesome. Going from one DST to the next stout DST, we've got Minnesota taking on Atlanta. Uh, Minnesota does take that one 28-12. Speaking of great defense, what did you see out of Minnesota's defense here against a high-powered Atlanta offense? Well, that's just the thing. I didn't see that high power. It looked like the, the Falcons offense was still running under some sort of leftover Sarkeesian plan. Uh, and they were sputtering uh, early. Now, that could have very well been from the Vikings just playing very stout defense. I'm not going to want to discredit that, but the Vikings defense in the past has had a, a similar situation like what I was saying with the Packers. They have had their ups and downs. Uh, they look very good. I'm not sure that wasn't just the Falcons, though, tripping over themselves. You think so? I mean, they had another uh, turnover in the on the opponent's side of the field. Uh, Freeman fumbled uh, for one of his carries this week. Uh, Devonta Freeman owners... He's healthy this year. I mean, he got drafted awful high. He's a second, third round draft pick in most snake drafts. I mean, is he going to ever reclaim the Devonta Freeman form from years ago? Uh, what I saw was a 50-50 snap share split with Ito Smith. Ito Smith is not Tevin Coleman. He's not the receiver uh, that Tevin Coleman was. Uh, I look at that as perhaps this is a week one thing. They're trying to ease Devonta Freeman back into game speed. Um, But if this trend continues... Uh, Devonta Freeman owners, you might want to look to dish him off before things get hairy because I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't I don't see him and a 50 50 timeshare split being able to produce like he was before his several leg injuries. So to put you on the spot here on a scale of one to 10, 10 being amazingly panicking, zero being completely cool as a cucumber. Where are you at if you're a Devonta Freeman owner? 
as of right now, after that last game, I want to be I want to be modest, but expecting a workhorse with nobody behind him and getting a 50-50 split, I'm at a solid eight. I'm at a solid eight out of ten. Going there, the, that should have been a at least 75-25, and it scares me that it wasn't. Now we do want to say uh, week. This is week one, so panicking obviously not your top priority here but you obviously drafted these people for a reason to get your points uh we're not advising to sit these people they're still your top players and they should be top producers uh, but we're going over people that we might not feel confident looking at their schedule going forward so devonta freeman does fall into that eight but let's look at people who did actually perform in that game uh matt ryan for all said and done had an okay day points wise even with two interceptions Matt Ryan's definitely still elite. Continue to start him as you would. Uh, expect more production like that from him, even in bad games. He should finish very high. If in a two-interception, 12-point uh, offensive production, he can still manage to put up 18 and a half. And, of um, course, your people like your Julios, your Calvin Ridleys, you know, Adam Thielen wasn't amazingly there, but Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 10 times. So, But you got to look at these things as these are still going to perform. They're still going to get you a lot of points. So just because it wasn't as high as you might have been hoping – uh, definitely still still start your studs. There was a lot on Sunday, a lot of one-sided affairs. Even if they weren't necessarily blowouts, there were games that really never got off the ground. Uh, one of those was Tennessee uh, playing the Browns. Dominated them after the points started flowing, but for most of that game, it was the ball was firmly in Tennessee's hands to win. And it just looked awful i'm sorry browns fans y'all got robbed the uh the striped shirts were having a bad day uh many penalties from the browns many deserved penalties uh the ejection was definitely clear cut but before that i mean frustrations were building just because everything and i mean everything was being called against the browns uh don't panic uh, if you're a Baker Mayfield owner, if you're an OBJ owner, if you're a Jarvis Landry owner, if you're a Nick Chubb owner, that will not happen consistently. It shouldn't. Uh, I would hope not. Um, the only thing to be concerned about here is Baker Mayfield's status. Uh, he is currently working through a bit of a, uh, it was a hand injury? They're saying it's just a bruise on his throwing hand, and it's kind of a take-it-as-it-goes type situation. This is one of those uh, nut-up-or-shut-up moments for Baker Mayfield. Is he going to prove that he is uh, the type to sit down with a little bit of a bruise on his hand, or is he going to is he gonna do like all of the elite quarterbacks of the past, uh, you know, your, your Ben Roethlisberger's, your Brett Favre's, uh, and, and walk on the field and throw touchdown bombs despite your hand injury? We'll see. We'll see what uh, what category Baker Mayfield well, falls into. On the other side of the ball, obviously we're not panicking about the Browns right now. It is week one. The Titans' defense is pretty good. I mean, it's it's above average, definitely. Uh, just looking at the Tennessee side of the ball, uh, Marcus Mariota, would you even consider streaming him? It, honestly, I was not impressed uh, by Mariota. Uh, a lot of the movement came through a very solid running game with Derrick Henry and some significant help uh, on the penalty side. Their plays looked sloppy. His his throws were, were accurate, but he was flushed out of the pocket a lot uh, and had to run uh, all over the field. The, Bear, the Browns' defense was doing their darndest to try to, to put a stop on it, and it seemed like every time they made a good play, uh, there was something ticky-tack or, or just completely wrong called against them. Well. I would agree with you completely. The refs did seem to have either a bone to pick with the Browns or just they were seeing some things the Browns were doing that the Titans 
maybe got away with. But the two people I want to talk about on the Titans side of the ball, Derrick Henry, Delaney Walker. If you have to have one Titans points producer for the rest of the year, who are you confident with and why? Derrick Henry. The man is unbelievable. A guy his size should not be that fast. He got around the edge and just left everyone in the dust. I'm talking secondary uh, safeties, guys who should be able to run faster than him by a couple of seconds easy on a 40 and he is just putting them in his wake it is incredible for a guy who is his size and can bust through the line and lower his shoulders and and just make things happen that way for him to also be able to put it into second gear and just haul it into the end zone is incredible uh this game is a little bit deceiving because uh he did most of his production in a, a handful of big plays but if you look at last year that was kind of the same thing derrick henry had a handful of touches and in a couple of big plays. It's he, just that one that he wears down that defensive line and he just busts through for that 40, 50 yard gainer. But the fact of the matter is they're able to do that consistently. And late in the game, if the, the Titans are able to play their game and run the ball, uh, Derrick Henry is looking amazing. And uh, Deion Lewis, he was a ghost. Uh, he saw snaps. He saw playtime. He saw plays that went to him and he just wasn't making things happen, which Bodes well for Derrick Henry owners. It does. And speaking of making things happen with a big seamless transition to the Ravens versus the Miami Dolphins. Uh, kind of done on the Browns-Titans game, but Lamar Jackson, is he for real or is it just because it's against the Dolphins? Well, like he said uh, in a post-game interview, if you have a chance to check it out, find it on Twitter. It was one of the funniest things I've already said. Not bad for a running back. Uh, this man is able to do a lot with his legs, but the one thing that I saw, the one thing that he mentioned, uh, a lot of clean pockets. Uh, if the Ravens offensive line is able to block that well, it's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going to be bad. Uh, they definitely are not in a position to win. It doesn't look like they're trying to win the game. Um, but even so, the Ravens looked that much better, and they managed to put up points like they were playing a JV team. And honestly, if you're streaming defenses every week, mostly like because I did the same thing. I stream my defense every week. I typically don't get uh, a high draft pick and waste it on a defense, even though that's a definitely a solid strategy. If you're streaming defenses... You pick whoever's playing the Dolphins that week if they're available on the waiver wire. Now, for Lamar Jackson, I feel like going forward, you have to you have to start him. If you're rocking two quarterbacks and you're you're between two, obviously, uh, use your best judgment. But if you're if you're considering, uh, Lamar Jackson is looking like the real deal. Uh, somebody I'd feel uh, trustworthy with. Um, I'm also going to sing the praises really quick. Uh, although his snap share looked a little weird, Mark Ingram. Uh, had a great game. Uh, he only had about 33% of the snap share, but I think a lot of that's due to the situation. Just game script. I mean, you don't need him as much if you're going to you're gonna let guys like Gus Edwards and Justice Hill take some snaps if you're up by 40. Yeah, so that in going forward, uh, owners don't expect him to be RB1 kind of status. Uh, I still see him as an RB2 uh, high-end flex kind of play, um, but I, I just if this team is to be expected, is to be believed, he should be able to put up points um, on the other side of things. Hollywood Brown uh, looking like a stud looking like one of the best receivers I've seen to come out of a, a, a young draft in a while. If you're, if he's on your waivers right now, cause people don't know who he is uh, scoop him up, scoop him up before he becomes a hot commodity. Cause now I, I know that you're all in on Hollywood Brown. Um, I hadn't planned on putting a waiver bid on him. I'm just not sure if that's real yet. We're looking at the Dolphins here, and I'm just not sure if that's going to be a sustainable thing. So looking at him, uh, between the other receiving options, Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews was 8 for 108, and he led the team in targets. I mean, so are you thinking that 
Hollywood Brown is going to be the new number one pass option? Or are we still looking at possibly a, a tight end situation here? The way I see it is uh, Mark Andrews is definitely a must own if you have a, a dedicated tight end slot. If you want to uh, have a wide receiver two, wide receiver three kind of flex option, he's going to see a lot of targets. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a young quarterback and young quarterbacks in pressure situations do like to find their security blanket. Uh, and Mandrews definitely has that type of uh, of athleticism to be able to turn those into big plays expect him to continue to get a lion's share of targets uh even if he doesn't necessarily do a lot with them eight catches is still eight points uh so that's still going to be great things i think he's definitely a must own um if you're looking at a guy who could be a little boomer bust uh in hollywood brown that could be a thing but Lamar Jackson's got the athleticism. They definitely pro, uh, proven they can throw downfield. And this league right now is being built around speedy receivers. And when I see a kid able to, yes, it's the Dolphins, but the moves he was putting on guys were criminal. So uh, consider him going forward. Um, on the Dolphins side of the ball, um, you really shouldn't be owning anybody on the Dolphins, save for maybe at this point, Devontae Parker. It's tough because you have no... You, there's no structure. I mean, there's obviously you can look at depth charts and you can look at snap counts, but with the Dolphins probably being down in most of their games for the foreseeable future, uh, yes, they have to throw, but they're also it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. We have no idea uh, if it's going to be a Fitz for three interceptions or a Fitz that throws four touchdowns. That's just the kind of consistency that Im- impossible to predict. If you're looking though for fantasy production, the only guy I can see as having potential consistency is their number one is Devonte parker especially with albert wilson being uh banged up at the moment uh he might be able to give you somewhere in the ballpark of seven to ten points uh if you're if you're kind of looking at slim pickings on the waiver wire uh you might be able to look his way but i would look elsewhere uh another place to look that might have been overlooked uh washington versus philly uh this game i was not expecting to be as close as it was uh, Washington came out, looked like, looked like a team that was not bad last year. Like yeah, it's they were. crazy. Um, you know, fun story about this particular game. I actually streamed the Eagles defense expecting Washington to be not great. And Case Keenum came out there and reminded us that he was the Case Keenum that helped the Vikings go to the postseason almost. Kind of makes you wonder why they decided to swap quarterbacks in a sense. Uh, I know Case Keenum had a connecting flight there, but uh, Kirk Cousins has been rather mediocre in Minnesota, whereas Case Keenum looked like a superstar for a hot minute. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the young receivers uh, of the of the uh, Washington Redskins just putting up some ridiculous numbers. Uh, McLaurin. So I didn't know who this guy was. I'm going to be honest. It, I didn't either. I mean, I knew he was on the depth chart, um, but I didn't think much of him because, you know, I mean, you're looking at, you know, names like Paul Richardson. You're looking at names like, at the time, Jordan Reed before that concussion, Vernon Davis, Chris Thompson, Trey Quinn. All those guys are a little bit more established than at least well-known than this gentleman. Um, under the radar, for sure. The the thing that I want to highlight here, and this is my Sam's pick of the week player, uh, keep an eye on this kid. I was watching some game tape of his catches um, I drafted uh, Devontae Adams in one of my leagues and trade for it, traded for him in another, not because I expect the Packers to be some superstar team this year, but Devontae Adams last season was open more than a 7-11. Uh, and this McLaurin kid 
was putting moves on defenders like his name was Devontae Adams. It was actually incredible. Now, I don't know how much this was on the Eagles uh, and their secondary, but I'm sorry. When I see that level of talent and the production that followed, uh, I'm all in. And you got to look at the the case of I mean Case Keenum not you know pun not intended of course um, new quarterbacks in a new system will always find one person to latch onto as like a safety blanket and it seems like it might be this guy um, McLaurin is just for some reason the 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 chemistry is there I always think back to the Terrell Pryor situation um, big big hype coming into a, a new system uh, just the chemistry wasn't there at the time with Kirk Cousins you're giving the guy twelve targets he's catching four. Whereas Case Keenum's thrown to this guy, they just seem like they know exactly where they need to be. So he's, especially if you're in a free agent budget situation, put a little bit of a bid in on him. They're probably thinking it's the Redskins. How good can they possibly be? Uh, he might be just a sneaky, cheap pickup um, that can help you be a, a solid possible flex spot. Now, there's a couple other things that came out of this game. Uh, obviously, uh, Juice is no longer loose. Uh, Darius Geis, unfortunately, has another knee injury. They don't know how severe yet. Uh, for the foreseeable future, it's going to be all day. Adrian Peterson uh, toting the ball uh, as they're starting uh, running back. Behind him, Chris Thompson. In this situation, guys, I wouldn't rush out there to put uh, a, a huge waiver priority on Adrian Peterson unless you're absolutely hurting for a running back. Um, he, he's older. He'll produce marginally, uh, as you would, but I think he's going to be in a big timeshare. Uh, equally, I don't think Chris Thompson's going to be, uh, a consistent enough producer. He might have some of those, you know, 12 catches for 120 yard games like he has had in the past, but don't expect that, uh, just because, uh, the number one is out, uh, Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson both, uh, had their fair share in a close game. Uh, I think neither one of those guys should really be trusted to continue to produce. I, put it in favor of Trey Quinn at this point, just based on talent level and youth. Almost in Yordi at this point, because he's the only guy from the Redskins who was there last year. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be looking to them as uh, solutions necessarily, as especially as much as uh, McLaurin. Uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, the Eagles weren't looking like the team that you expected. And then, bam, out of nowhere, they reminded you that recently they were at a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz still has a cannon. Him and Deshaun Jackson are going to be one heck of a connection to watch for the whole season. That's, uh, I, I was really interested in picking up Deshaun Jackson uh, going into my drafts. And unfortunately, the later the, the draft went, the, the easier it was to forget about picks like that. And I'm kind of kicking myself. Do I think that Deshaun Jackson is going to continue to produce at, in a two touchdown, several hundred yard? No. Uh, he's going to be, you know, boomer bust but the fact of the matter is the guy can turn three catches into 150 yards very true and you know alshon jeffrey still did alshon jeffrey things but question for you sam if you have to own one running back in the eagle system who is that running back um none of them so you're kind of thinking the eagle situation with running back in for fantasy purposes is similar possibly to the chicago situation where you got three people that you might not know Incredibly similar. Uh, now, everybody, all the analysts were saying Sanders was going to be the guy to own in Philly. He did get the lion's share of carries at 11, only managed 25 yards out of it, uh, whereas Jordan Howard on six carries managed 44 yards, and Darren Sproles on nine carries managed 47. But the fact that Darren Sproles had almost as many carries as your supposed number one uh, tells me stay away from Philly. 
I don't blame you. Not to mention Sproles was the one also more so in the receiving game as to be expected. I mean, Howard and Sanders both had uh, one and two catches respectively for them. But uh, do you think possibly the running backs not getting great stats could have been a game script situation because they were down for a fair amount? I honestly, I look at the Eagles and I, I see a team uh, built around a passing attack. Uh, and because of that, unless the game allows it or the other team just obviously it says, hey, I dare you to run the ball because we're going to just play prevent defense. I don't see a running back producing heavily uh, out of the out of the Philly backfield. Uh, in exchange, though, if you're an owner of Deshaun Jackson, uh, Zach Ertz, or um, Alshon Jeffrey, you're starting them. I don't care in what capacity you start them because this team looks like that's how they're going to score points. Uh, speaking of uh, how a team scores points, uh, you were looking at uh, the – Bills and the Jets, and how in the world are these teams going to score points? It's crazy. So, you know, I was one of the guys who did take a flyer on Lev Bell. I mean, I shouldn't say a flyer, but I did draft him relatively early because, I mean, he's Lev Bell, his talent's there. And, yeah, he's in a new system, but he's still Lev Bell, right? So I'm trying to watch how is Lev Bell going to handle being in a new team, new system, uh, being off for a whole year. Uh, Seems like, from what it looks like, he was the focal point of the Jets' offense, you know, not including Jamison Crowder, who was one of our, our crazy bench booms this week. So with the Love Bell situation, if you drafted him and you were concerned, like Andy was, that he might not produce because he's on the Jets and yada, yada, uh, this team's definitely being smart. They're they're putting the, the entire focus on Love Bell, helping them move the ball, and it worked. They were doing very well uh, points-wise. They were up against a, a good defense in the Bills and were still ironing out some kinks with some new players. Uh, obviously, Jameson Crowder had a crazy game. Uh, just as a, as a guy who has him on, on, on your bench right now, uh, do you think that that is repeatable? I do. Uh, it looks like it's very similar to the McLaurin situation in Washington. I feel like Crowder and Hey Darnold just seem to have some type of chemistry where they know where it needs to be and why it needs to be there. So he seems like he's going to possibly take over just the he's going to be your guy who's going to be the top target share, maybe not scoring touchdowns because Anderson's still going to be your, your deep threat in that sense. But you know, he's going to get you what, I mean today, not today, but this week was 14 for 99 on 17 targets. I doubt the target share is that high still, but he's probably getting you double digit targets, 10, 12 targets. Now uh, news just came out today that the Patriots traded Demarius Thomas to the jets for a 2021 pick. Uh, Demarius Thomas rejoining Adam Gase uh, as there's a little bit of familiarity there. Do you see Demarius Thomas as somebody who could eat into target shares or do you see him as a Terrell Pryor might see the field if somebody else struggles kind of situation? I mean, I see him being kind of that third down James Jones from the Packers several years ago, but um, I don't think he's going to cut into anyone's targets tremendously. If anyone's probably going to cut into Robbie Anderson's targets, Uh, but it seems like Crowder just seems to be the go-to target for, Darnold, at least in my opinion, until Chris Herndon comes back, I'm very high on him this year. Um, yes, he's suspended for four games, but if he's on your waiver wire and you have a spot to stash him, I do recommend it because he was kind of breaking out towards the end of last year and he was supposed to con- continue, but obviously the four-game suspension doesn't help that fact. Now, on the Bills' side of the ball, we saw Josh Allen and his cannon for an arm. I'm not sure how they allow that in the NFL. Uh, he managed to connect with some of his new receivers. Uh, a lot of the NFL was, uh, a lot of the ESPN analysts were assuming that Cole Beasley was going to be the top target, but it was actually the top producer from John Brown uh, on my bench 
uh, <laughs> of course. He was uh, your Crowder. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. I was not expecting that game to really shake out the way it did. I think if you're if you're a John Brown owner, you're really excited uh, that this happened. And, and honestly, I expect that to continue to happen a little bit. Uh, as the way they like to use him seemed a lot more uh, Amari Cooper on the Cowboys than it did John Brown on the Ravens. Uh, John Brown in his last stint was the deep ball, just kind of running a straight line guy. And when Amari Cooper was traded to the Cowboys, he was running a lot of these slants, a lot of these Tyree Kill style uh, yards after the catch plays. And a guy who's really fast is going to burn defenses. And John Brown is really fast. Really fast. And especially to the tune of seven for 123 and a touchdown on 10 targets. That's a lot of targets for a guy who's not known to throw. I mean, Josh Allen's still going to get you some rushing. He got you another rushing touchdown this week. Uh, So, if you have a quarterback situation, like give you an example, I have Baker Mayfield on my team. Not super psyched to hear about the hand bruise and the, obviously the performance this last week wasn't stellar. Uh, I don't like his matchup either coming up. Whereas I do like the matchup between Josh Allen and the New York Giants next week. If he's there and you're not confident in your quarterback, possibly a bad matchup, possibly just somebody you're taking a, a, a flyer on this week. Josh Allen's out there in a lot of leagues. Wouldn't be a terrible idea to pick him up. If it were up to you, Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold. Who are you starting in that situation? I mean, next week's matchups uh, going by, I'm starting Josh Allen. Uh, he looks like he's got good chemistry. I mean, even Cole Beasley had nine targets uh, this past week. And I think one of the biggest reasons why uh, Josh Allen only has room to improve from that game has a lot to do with Devin Singletary. Uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of times toting the rock. He, I believe, only had, what, four carries? I believe it was four or five, Four yes. or five carries, but he managed to turn it into 70 yards Uh the Frank Gore and um, help me out here. Uh, TJ Yeldon's on that team Thank somewhere. You. God, journeyman. TJ but he Yeldon. did not have any targets or touches this last game. But the big thing that that intrigues me is Devin Singletary was five for twenty eight in receiving on six targets. They definitely understand that this kid in open space is going to run for days. And I can only see them figuring ways out of getting him the ball uh, and letting him do what he does more. I would hope to to see kind of a, a, Tyre, a Tariq Cohen level of production there where they just work out design plays to get him the ball and let him be able to make moves and, and just run. Uh, but we'll see. If you have him on your bench, if you listen to Matthew Barry, uh, hold out for hope. Because uh, as the season progresses, I only see him getting more and more of the of the workload. I, I agree with you completely. Now, speaking of workloads, uh, Los Angeles versus Carolina. Uh, workload for Todd Gurley, uh, 14 carries uh, for 97 yards. So not a terrible day by any stretch of the stats. But are you concerned that in a game as close as 30 to 27 was, he's only getting 14 carries and one target? So he was on the field for 70% of snaps. Uh, so anybody out there looking at uh, Brown like, oh, no, he's, he's in a timeshare split. Uh, not really. What happened there, unfortunately, was a lot of vulturing of the short yardage touchdown situations. Uh, and in those in previous years, I see Todd Gurley busting it in. I see them, though, using kind of kids gloves with him at this point and trying to protect his knee uh, going forward. I, I hope they don't do this, but I'm concerned they're going to have a between-the-20s style uh, of offense with Todd Gurley, where as soon as they get in a red zone situation, they're switching it over to a guy who's a little bit more expendable. I could see that being a thing. Um, speaking of expendability, um, who do you even trust on the Rams for receiving? I mean, do you keep these guys starting? Do you sit them? Do you, I mean, obviously you're not dropping them, possibly trading them. I mean... 
Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks all had okay days, um, but no one's really blowing the lid off in, in terms of product productivity. Last season, we saw towards the end of the season, Jared Goff fall off a little bit, and I know he just got paid, and he just got paid a ridiculous sum of money. Um, I think that there's game tape showing how to to defend him now, and uh, I would temper expectations if you were an owner of uh, Woods or if you're an owner of Cup uh, or uh, if even if you're an owner of Cooks. Just kind of expect them to – like last season, Woods and, and Cooks were both starters. They were number ones. Well, because Cup was gone. He was hurt. Right, but even even with Cup's return, I don't think it's Cup so much eating into their, their looks as much as it is just – Defenders are going to play better against Goff than they did in the past, especially knowing that Gurley's not always going to be the focal point of the offense like he was. That is fair. Now, two more questions about this game, and we'll be moving on. Uh, if you had to pick one Rams receiver to move forward with from here on out, Woods, Cup, or Cooks, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? I'm always a big proponent of picking the most talented guy on the field, and that to me is Brandon Cooks. Uh, they paid him a lot of money to, to stick around with Goff, uh, and out of the three of them, he's the fastest, and I think he's the most reliable uh, of the three. Uh, Robert Woods, I think, is a great talent, but when it comes down to it and they're in a we got to score, we got to come back in this game, we have to win, I think Brandon Cooks is going to be the guy that they look to design plays for. Put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. All right, speaking of playmakers, on the Carolina side, we have Christian McCaffrey. He is your must-start from the Carolina offense. Uh, I don't believe there's any other must-starts on Carolina. Make a case otherwise, Sam. I. Uh, I don't really think that there is a case for, for many other guys there. Uh, obviously, we knew Run CMC was going to be the guy to own, and he proved it. Uh, he's honestly, on a game like that, he's setting himself up for, for number one at the end of the year. He's, he might take home a rushing title. If he can stay healthy, knock on wood, we're hoping that he does. I mean, the kid's looking like an absolute freak. Um, in terms of Cam Newton, his receivers, uh, Greg Olson's banged up again. That sucks. Not for a Cam surprise, though, unfortunately. Uh, with... Uh, the both both receivers, DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, neither guy really was a, a huge star. I think either one of these guys could potentially have some games where they show up, but they're going to be gone more often than not. If you want them on your bench, go ahead, but don't expect them to, to emerge anytime soon. They're going to be kind of your uh, flex consideration for a bye week type situation. Uh, definitely not somebody who's going to be an every week starter. Target share wise, DJ Moore obviously took this one. Uh, expect that only to continue because he is the atop the depth chart. But keep an eye on who's atop that depth chart because if they're not getting production, they will switch it up. Speaking of production, we go to the Chiefs versus the Jaguars. Production because of the Chiefs. Looking at Patrick Mahomes, we did anticipate a little bit of aggression. Did you see any regression in this week? Uh, no, all I saw was him limp off the field with a, a minor leg injury. The Madden curse is real. Uh, rejoice, folks. They said it's nothing major and he should play through it no problem. Uh, I'm annoyed. I'm mad that Patrick Mahomes going in the first round of our work draft actually paid off against me this week. But what are you going to do? Uh, the guy is still a, a absolute monster on the field, and he will continue to produce even without his top target in Tyreek Hill. Speaking of monsters, though, Sammy Watkins had a monstrous week because of Hill's injury. Can you guys hear the salt through the microphones? Can you hear it? I was uh, on the receiving end of uh, the receiving of Sammy Watkins. You're on fire today with those. 50 points. I mean, 48.7. But let's just look at it. We're calling it 50. I mean, was this to be expected? I don't think so. Um, I mean, Sammy Watkins looks like the Sammy Watkins of old, uh, which bodes really well in Kansas City. 
Uh, I was not expecting so much to be going his way even before Hill left the game. But now the fact that Hill is gone, Sammy Watkins owners, if you took him, uh, probably took him a little later than expected because, uh, you know, he was kind of invisible last year. you got to be rejoicing right now. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best offenses, and you've got the top target on that team. And I, I would argue not even the top target. Travis Kelsey is going to see some more looks because of Hill's injury, but that's going to open up Sammy Watkins for more production. Do, do you not agree? I 100% agree. And Travis Kelsey being healthy and being on the field only bodes well for the both of them. If you have them on your team, I don't care what they, they did this last week. You're starting them anyway. I don't care what they do week two. You're starting them anyway. As long as Pat Mahomes is throwing them the ball, uh, continue to start them. Now, running the ball, on the other hand, uh, Williams and Williams, along with McCoy, seemed a, a little bit too much of a timeshare for my tastes. Uh, what was your takeaway from that? I agree with you. I mean, so Damian Williams ultimately still got the touchdown, still got the, the grab um, to make him, you know, his first round choices for a lot of people still have some type of value to it. Uh, but McCoy, I mean, 10 carries for 81 yards. He was in the passing game for one target. I mean, Damian Williams only had uh, 39 yards out of receiving. Yes. He had a higher target share, uh, but it looks like they're kind of easing McCoy into the system. We know that he does love working with Andy Reed. So can, can you see McCoy picking more, targets and snaps up as we go on i think that it's going to continue like it was i think it's going to be a pretty decent split uh, unless one of them just fails to produce they might ride a hot hand for a game or two but i think this was the plan and it's going to be the plan going forward awesome and speaking of the hot hand on the other side of the ball for jacksonville a lot of jacksonville receivers had pretty good games i mean we went into the season thinking dd westbrook was going to be the guy uh, with his connection with nick Foles. obviously nick Foles fractured clavicle he's going to be out for the foreseeable future uh guy coming in Minshew seemed like a, a good dude for a rookie situation um and they did just trade for uh dobbs off of uh off of uh pittsburgh, pittsburgh correct uh but it looked like he's got you know, a decent connection with a lot of these guys. So not only did Westbrook have a, a touchdown thrown by Foles, but the other touchdowns, Chark and Conley, came from the new guy. I mean, do you see this production continuing, or do you see receiving falling off a bit? Uh, I'm going to say it here first, folks. Um, stay away from the Jaguars for now. Uh, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room and you want to pick up one of the Jaguars receivers and they go off, good for you. But uh, they're still wondering what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, at this point, if you have uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, happily start him in your flex position. Uh, don't expect much more production because it's going to be on a game by game basis. Uh, wait and see mode in Jacksonville of what's going to happen. Uh, I think a lot of the production came from the fact that they were down by a ton. Um, and uh, Andy Reid's uh, Chiefs have been known to kind of ease off the gas a little bit when they're up by a lot. So I think that was more of um, some garbage time really than anything. And we are going to see games going forward because Foles is out and potentially done for the season. Uh, we're going to see games where uh, the Jaguars kind of just drop off the map entirely. Uh, that being said, uh, moving into uh, a different team who lost their starting quarterback, the Colts facing off against the Chargers. Uh, this game was a lot closer than I expected it to be. Well, it really was. Especially with them losing luck. I mean, I, I thought Brissett, while serviceable, wasn't going to be as good as he was. Now, he definitely opened my eyes. I thought the Chargers had a top 10 defense, especially their secondary coming into this year. And Brissett, Surprise me. He had a lot of good plays, a lot of good throws. Brissett definitely looked like a guy who had started only a you know a year uh, uh, or two ago. Uh, and in all fairness, while he wasn't an absolute stud, uh, his his stud players stepped up. T.Y. Hilton, uh, I benched because I legitimately did not think that he was going to produce, and he did to the tune of eight catches for 87 yards and two touchdowns. 
Woo! On nine on targets. So he bench. was damn near perfect. Yeah, but the, the real takeaway from this is Marlon Mack. Uh, the weight was going to be on his shoulders uh, to kind of keep this offense churning. And boy, did he. 25 carries for 174 yards and a touchdown. Uh, do you expect that going forward? I expect him to continue looking really good. I mean, I had the opportunity to trade for Mac, albeit for about 10 minutes before the guy pulled his trade back. Um, but I, th- I, I'd be happy to have him on my team as a Leonard Fournette owner. Um, I would rather have Marlon Mack right now than Leonard Fournette, given the situation in Jacksonville. Uh, so I do expect Marlon Mack to continue, but let me ask you this question as an Eric Ebron owner, the tight ends in, in Indy. I mean, do you want to own either of them? No, uh, I do believe that in in future games, we're going to see Brissett looking to his tight ends. But in a a very, very much of a timeshare situation, uh, Ebron is going to be 100% touchdown dependent as he's going to be seeing a lot less uh, targets. And it does not look like Jack Toyle's really being used in the red zone at all. Uh, And at that point, uh, I'm going to look elsewhere for my tight ends. That's fair. Speaking of tight ends out in Los Angeles, Hunter Henry valued very high in a lot of drafting pools. Uh, Four for 60 on five targets. Are you disappointed or is that what you kind of expected out of him? I'm a little disappointed only uh, because I I did expect a little bit more production. But in all fairness, when you look at this game, you see a similar situation as a lot of them. The Chargers were up early. Uh, The game plan flowing behind Eckler was working uh, really quick uh, on that note, Austin Eckler performing outstandingly stepping into Melvin Gordon's shoes uh, fantasy-wise. He was a monster. Uh, continue to start him as your number one with I mean, he's absolute a, confidence. He's a definite dual threat. I mean, he rushed 12 times for 58 and one touchdown, and he had seven targets, six receptions, 96 and two. Now, that is, if anything, a workhorse-style running back You know, stuff on his Both plate. Both in the running game and the passing game, which is absolutely uh, outstanding to see if you're if you're an owner of his. So if you were able to pick him up super late in a lot of drafts, or especially super cheap in a lot of auction drafts, I mean, you you must be doing backflips right now. He's a definite must start along with Keenan Allen on that offense. Um, that was to be expected. We knew Keenan Allen was going to be their number one, but yeah, it's I mean, nice start to your studs. See, it's nice to see Keenan Allen producing like a number one. Uh, definite definite confidence coming out of the Chargers, and they managed to close the door on that one. Something that they did have trouble with a couple years ago. So uh, good to see for them. Uh, keeping her moving here. Uh, we're going on to the next game, which is the Seahawks uh, hosting the Bengals. Talk about number one. Andy Dalton's going to be QB one in terms of yards thrown this week. Can you believe that as an Andy Dalton? Absolutely not. This was in Seattle. The 12th man uh, apparently did not have as big of an impact as we thought they were going to. Uh, Andy Dalton looking like, hey, thanks for keeping the faith with me, team, uh, as he just looked outstanding and speaking of outstanding i mean obviously tyler boyd was expected to do tyler boyd things in aj green's absence but the biggest surprise is john ross leading the team in targets receptions and touchdowns with 12 targets seven receptions 158 yards and two scores do you think this continues possibly i mean obviously this type of production is going to not be sustainable per game but do you think in aj green's absence john ross is a must own um, I don't. I think this actually bodes the best for Tyler Boyd, uh, just in the sense that uh, as, as games progress, teams won't be able to just double cover him the entire game. I think that this opens up the idea that there is more than one receiver in Cincinnati. Do you think it has anything to do with Mixon going out early, that he had to throw the ball so much? I do. Um, I think the game plan changes greatly when Gio Bernard is the only guy in the backfield. Uh, if you are a Mixon owner, um, I, I, I'm sorry 
I'm sorry. I hope they're only you... saying it's going to be a couple weeks, and they're saying there's even an outside shot if he can have a good testing this week, he might actually play week two. Even so, uh, and owners were expecting him to be a top running back this season, and already they're they're facing a setback. That's that's rough. Uh, go out, pick up Gio Bernard, keep your handcuff uh, as injuries that happen early can crop up again later on in the season. Now, before we jump to the Seahawks, though, I will give you an alternate opinion on John Ross. I do think he's worth owning for the time being in a flex spot. I think he'll get you at least a good amount of yardage, if not a score based on a bomb that Andy Dalton might throw. He's, again, a, a late flex in terms of like a, if you have a bad matchup, like Philip Lindsay's my flex from last week. He's playing Baltimore next week. I don't like that matchup at all. I might go out and get John Ross. And in all fairness, in a uh, uh, with a team that, is missing one of their their running threats uh they're gonna have to deploy a lot more passing attack and i think that for the time being you're absolutely right uh ross may be worthy of uh, a flex consideration uh for you um i just i wouldn't again uh assume that he's going to continue that production the entire year this may be a short-term situation uh on the other side of that though uh the seahawks chris carson definitely getting the lion's share uh in the running back uh role and looking like a workhorse uh, I see that continuing. I don't know about you. Absolutely. I mean, Rashad Penny was almost non-existent in this game. I mean, he had six carries for 18 yards. Um, didn't even have a target. Carson was was involved in the passing game, uh, a beast in the running game. Uh, we always said that if this guy can stay healthy, he's, he's electric, and he proved it on a team that is uh, really fans of running the ball. Uh, now, in terms of the passing game, everybody was concerned that uh, the Seattle passing attack was going to be really lame. I am happy to report that one of the guys I had a lot of high hopes for going into the season, the rookie DK Metcalf, is a focal point of this offense. Yeah, he paced the team in targets and yards. He was 4 for 89 on six targets. Didn't find the end zone. Lockett did, but Lockett on his two targets one just happened to be a 44-yard touchdown. And overall, uh, I think going forward, both of those two players are worthy of a uh, wide receiver three kind of flex option consideration. The team doesn't look super uh, focused on the passing attack. They're good. They're not going to be down uh, in a lot of games and being forced to pass the ball. Uh, but I think if you're an owner of uh, Tyler Lockett, if you if you took a flyer on DK Metcalf, you got to be pretty pleased to see that he looks healthy and he looks uh, ready to go beast mode on his opponents. Uh, who's next? Speaking of taking a flyer, those who drafted Ezekiel Elliott, expecting him to sign, he did sign, he did play. You are one of those people who took a flyer on Zeke. Yes, I am. Um, are you happy with his production? It did seem a little bit lacking in, in a 35-17 to 17 victory. Were you upset that Zeke wasn't necessarily the focal point? In, in a vacuum, uh, I am disappointed. Uh, I expected them to feed him the ball more. But in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it from the outside, they could have treated him a lot more with kid gloves, being that he didn't have as much practice time. Uh, he could have been out of shape. He could Something something worse could happen. He could have gotten injured. So at the end of the day, he got a touchdown. He got a handful of carries. And that was another one of those games that was so out of hand, so fast. Uh, you expected more of the running game. But similar to with the, the Baltimore game where they started sitting their starters, uh, it looked as though the Cowboys weren't interested in trotting out Ezekiel Elliott when they were up by three scores. Which makes sense. I mean, and, and looking at their quarterback situation, Dak Prescott, you and I have been on record as saying that we do not think Dak is as talented as Dak thinks he's talented. Um, did he shut us up this week? I mean, he looked damn good. I think he's making a case for it. 
I think the guy knows that the stigma around him was that he's only good because Ezekiel Elliott's on the team. And I think he's out to prove that he's worthy of beating Jared Goff's number uh, in terms of highest paid quarterbacks. Uh, if you're a Dak Prescott owner, um, expect to see some dips than this, I think, just from the sake of he is still uh, young. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, but expect also to continue to be able to start him with confidence because the guy's got a great receiving core now. He's got two outstandingly trustworthy tight ends. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got an emerging Michael Gallup. That is Sam's pre-draft pick of the year as Michael Gallup was going to have a breakout season, and it looks like he's on par to have one. And honestly, I think that none of that's going to slow down anytime soon. The Cowboys knew going into the season that this was their year to take the division and to storm the playoffs, and that's why they paid Zeke all the money. That's why they're going to pay Dak all the money. That's why they're going to pay Amari Cooper all the money. And we're going to see a team that is just on the the high gear to the playoffs this year. So start your Cowboys with confidence. On to a team where you can't necessarily start people with confidence. We're going to Detroit versus Arizona. Whoa, 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 whoa. We are forgetting to talk about the New York football Giants, my friend. Do you want to own anybody on the Giants? I want to own Evan Ingram. He trounced I, I me I can this appreciate week. that. And honestly, with Sterling Shepard being in concussion protocol, uh, which is unfortunate uh, for Sterling Shepard owners, I see Evan Ingram getting all the targets. uh, And I see it being one of those situations where he's the only guy you can really throw the ball to with confidence. Minus maybe Saquon. I mean, obviously there are certain people we're not going to talk about as much on the podcast because they are definite must-starts, whereas Saquon is an almost lock to start every There's no week. situation you're sitting Saquon. Unless he's hurt, knock on wood, there's no situation you're sitting Saquon. Right, so if we if I skip over Saquon and the Giants, it's because it's Saquon and the Giants. But in, in terms of the, the alternative people, are you starting uh, Eli? No, he got benched in this game. Uh, you are, however, looking at Evan Ingram as a stud, absolute stud. And when Golden Tate comes back, if Sterling Shepard is still iffy, you might have him as a flex consideration. Uh, this was a blowout, so not much to be said. But Evan Ingram owners out there, guys who went, you know what, there's nobody else to catch the ball. You're absolutely right. Uh, you can start him with confidence, and I, I do apologize to Evan Ingram if he hears this, that he is definitely startable. I'm pretty sure he's our, our top listener. I'm uh, sorry, Evan. Number one fan. I appreciate that. So anyway, <laughs> now moving on. <laughs> now moving on. Uh, we can't start folks with confidence. Uh, between the Lions and the Cardinals, um, who do you like to possibly even start in a possible flex role? This was a weird game. A very weird game. This was a weird game. It, this is literally the the exemplary game of when you're playing Madden uh, and you're losing and the other team is taunting you, so your older brother takes the controller and starts to play, is how it looked yeah, to me. Kyler came alive in the fourth. but uh, Specifically the fourth quarter, uh, it, it which Matthew Stafford and the Lions have been known as the comeback kings. Uh, as they've been uh, one of the teams to, to win the most games in previous seasons in the fourth quarter, specifically when they were down. And they got to watch as the shoe was on the other foot this game. Kyler Murray looked terrible through three quarters, absolutely terrible, only to turn around and like wake up in the fourth and look outstanding. Just need a few rounds to wake up. He's like, oh, this is round or five. Let Red me finish Bull it. Or or something. I don't know. Or something. <laughs> but looking at the stat line, uh, not amazing on too many ends, but the one that did st- stick out to me is TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson looks like uh, Matt Patricia is trying to make the second coming of Gronk. Uh, and although I don't know that TJ Hawkinson is the the absolute freak that Gronk was, he's producing like a guy who's being fed all the all the looks. 
Uh, I think if you if you are required to start a tight end, if you have T.J. Hawkinson on your your team, you start him going forward because the Lions look like they want to get the ball in his hands. Uh, so much so that it actually kind of ate into Kenny Galladay's looks quite a bit. It did. Not to mention uh, with Kenny Galladay, he had nine targets, four receptions, 42, and one score. So he did find the end zone. But are you at all concerned about Danny Amendola? I know that sounds like it's you know 2004 she'd be concerned about Danny Amendola, but dude had 13 targets, caught seven for 104 and a score. I mean, do you think he's going to be a focal point? I know we were discussing Snapshare. He wasn't on the field more than 35, 40% of the snaps, but... For when he was, the ball was in his hands. I think a lot of that just has to do with the the way the game was being played. I think that uh, when Danny Amendola was on the field, uh, it was a mismatch with anybody who was across the, the field from him, and he was just open. There are those games where a guy is just better than the guy trying to defend him, or the guy is trying to defend them. You never know. Uh, and it, you know, it happens a lot with Julio Jones, where it doesn't matter who was across from him, he's just going to get open. Uh, and I think Danny Amendola was just in that situation today where, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Sunday, where he just was constantly open and getting the ball, uh, which is kind of the inverse of Kenny Galladay. I think Kenny Galladay, in a lot of cases, was covered more even though they were trying to get him the ball Matthew Stafford will force the ball where he wants it to go uh I don't think Galladay was able to come down with as much uh in that situation the running game for the Lions it was disappointing uh on Johnson very very minimal production uh, once again we're seeing a Lions team that just doesn't want to run the ball so uh, the panic meter obviously Carrion went relatively high for a lot of people and, and relatively expensive for some from auction owners are you panicking at all for what would be carry-ons um, carries? I mean, basically, uh, do you panic as to his usage? Because they were up for a majority of the game. I, I didn't see C.J. Anderson uh, really eating into his production. Uh, what I just saw was a team that, that really didn't want to, to utilize him. And honestly, it, it was very reminiscent of the Lions-Packers, where yet the game was close. It was within one score. And while the, the Bears were down in that game, they just kind of abandoned the run. And I saw a lot of that from uh, from the Lions as well. Uh, I think Matt Patricia un- overestimates the the skill level of Matthew Stafford. He is not Tom Brady. And uh, if they continue to try to deploy a passing attack or emulate a passing attack of their opponent's opposing team, they're going to end up uh, in a lot more games that they should have lost. This ended in a tie, but they should have lost. It does make sense. And and speaking of... of- receiver threats that you feel confident with uh, aside from david johnson on the cardinals uh do you feel confident starting any arizona wide receiver on a weekly basis uh only guy i'm looking at is larry fitzgerald uh mr reliable mr reliable uh guys definitely out there to, to show that he is ageless he is timeless and while he didn't really do much of anything up until the end of the game that's because kyler murray really just couldn't get the the timing going once he did though he was connecting with 11 pretty much uh, effortlessly. And I, I see a lot of that going forward. I think that, you know, he, he found his guy that he likes. Uh, if you drafted Christian Kirk, as you believe the ESPN hype around him, uh, don't fret. Christian Kirk is still amazingly talented and he will find himself open. The team will figure out a way to get him the ball. But a lot of that's going to have to do more with Kyler Murray than it is going to be with Christian Kirk. Absolutely. And, and as a Christian Kirk owner, seeing him go four receptions on 12 targets uh, was a bit disheartening. Uh, but the usage does give you hope. Um, you're hoping that Kyler can kind of find some way to connect with him just to make sure that he is, you know, catching more than a third of his targets. Now, uh, going on to another game that got out of hand uh, a little bit, San Fran uh, going up against Tampa Bay. 
Uh, not a lot to talk about in this game, uh, to be fair, because San Fran's defense won them this game. Uh, and honestly, I just I, I see it as more of Tampa Bay just giving away the game. Absolutely. And, and Jameis Winston, for all of his uh, hard work with Bruce Arians, they fixed his throwing motion. It does seem like he either regressed into old habits or just could not get a read on things. He's in a contract year. Do you think this might be the end of the Jameis Winston show? I feel like this is his prove it year. And I, I look at a team that they didn't make any significant upgrades uh, in their offense. Uh, and I think that's because they're expecting a potential reset button. Uh, so if you, if you're a Mike Evans owner, are you going to panic? I don't think so. Uh, I think that you look at it as, okay, this team is going to be down a lot. Uh, they're going to be needing to throw and, and uh, Mike Evans is still uh, uh, crazy talented. Um, going forward though, I think you're going to have to kind of keep an eye on the rest of the team the running game was non-existent. Uh, if you have uh, either of the running backs from Tampa Bay, bleh, uh, I feel sorry for you. And all, all in all, the the team just looked kind of incompetent. Yeah, aside from Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, do you feel confident starting any other Tampa Bay? Buccaneer? I'm not even super sold on Chris Godwin. Uh, He's the only one who found the end zone this week. I. I I trust that that could continue. I also believe that this team will lose themselves. Uh, they're going to leave guys on the bus. That's just that's the that way what fair. I what I see. Uh, on the opposite side of the field, uh, San Fran didn't look much better. Uh, George Kittle not super uh, high in the performance numbers based on where where he was drafted. But this game again was uh, solely on the defense winning them the game. Garoppolo didn't look great, but they also lost their starting running back in Tevin Coleman to a high ankle sprain. Uh, moment of silence for the guys who drafted him. But uh, at the end of the day, if you're looking at San Fran like, huh, I wonder which one of these guys, we're still in wait-and-see mode, and the fact that they couldn't get a whole lot going against Tampa Bay doesn't inspire confidence. Um, going on to another kind of blowout game, New England absolutely destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, it feels bad, man, clap. Uh, but, again, good to see that uh, the defending champions – we're able to trounce a team that everyone thinks is going to be a playoff contender. Absolutely. And would you panic at all? Again, panic meter here for this particular question. Are you panicking on James Conner at all? He was drafted pretty high for a lot of people. I don't think you can panic on him. Um, I mean, the Steelers last year were pretty abysmal on the road, uh, so not a whole lot different, I guess, in this case. Uh, but going forward, I think you have to kind of – Temper your expectations. I know I've said that before today, but continue to, to look into teams that struggle to get anything going are going to continue to struggle to get anything going. Uh, James Conner, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Dante Moncrief dropped the ball like three times. Like This team is struggling. Uh, the drama continues in Pittsburgh. Do you feel that any of the lack of production from Pittsburgh has anything to do with New England's defense? I think that New England, I mean, they, they deserve credit uh, for sure. Um, and the, the way they came out and just kind of walked all over Pittsburgh definitely has something to do with it. But there were miscues. Kicking a field goal on the one-yard line when you're down by multiple scores, like they, they didn't look like a team ready to win. You were telling me that you were watching Juju on a lot of his routes kind of just stop. Getting disheartened. I mean, he was obviously double-covered. Um, and it just looked like he was he was just getting kind of disheartened in the sense of, 
he's always covered. Ben's not even looking at him. I mean, hence why Moncrief led the team in targets with 10. Despite I mean, three drops. I mean, he couldn't, couldn't hold on to the ball for, for to save his life. But you got to think that there's just frustration mounting in the entirety of Pittsburgh. I expect them to bounce back. They're, they will play some teams that let them back into games. Uh, the Browns look like one of those teams that could easily let them back into the game. Uh, this was definitely the, the New England show. And expect the New England show only to get more and more viewers as AB eventually joins the team. Absolutely. And speaking of the uh, New England show, uh, Rex Burkhead made what looked like a triumphant return to the field. He was hurt a lot last year. So I completely forgot that Rex Burkhead was uh, was there. Uh, so anyway, shell owners, uh, I'm sorry if, if you drafted him and expecting big things, but this might be the status quo in New England. I mean, we always have a, a rule of thumb here at Techmon Bros that you cannot trust a New England backfield. Uh, we love James White, obviously, being a, a homer here from Wisconsin. Um, but Burkhead looked like he had a lot uh, to offer. He was in the passing game. He was in the rush game. I mean, he had a lot of stuff. I mean, he had five receptions on eight targets. Belichick is one of the uh, the smartest guys in the stadium, and he definitely liked to do his big brain multiple running back thing. Um, if you're a Sony Michelle owner, uh, keep an eye on matchups going forward. He's going to be a guy who rides your bench and puts up points on your bench when you were going, huh, that's a bad matchup. Uh, but you don't want to be starting him with too much confidence, I think, at this point. Uh, seeing as they could just as easily have him as a, uh, a potential healthy scratch given the game plan against the other team. And looking at their, the Patriots in general, they like to spread the ball around. But the only people I feel confident starting, aside from obviously Tom Brady throwing a lot of touchdowns, I mean, J- Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, James White, those are the, the three people you feel confident starting. When A.B. does inevitably join, I mean, how soon do you think it's till he gets up to speed with the New England program? I think he's startable right away. I think that he's A.B., uh, and it's not going to be so much about learning the program as it is going to be them designing plays to get him the ball. And, yeah, he might not put up crazy A.B. numbers uh, right away, but uh, he's definitely going to be a part of that offense. He's going to be – I mean – there's conspiracy theorists out there that say that this was his plan all along to get released by the Raiders so he could join the Patriots. And he looks pretty darn happy to be there. Uh, I think that Josh Gordon owners, this knocks him down a peg. He knocks him down to a uh, matchup status. But I think that this team might have one of the best passing attacks of the NFL right now. Um, from one of the best passing attacks to honestly, one of the worst I've seen in a while, we're going to actually skip forward to the, uh, Monday night game, uh, seeing Oakland playing against Denver, uh, Denver's old squad that he never played for. Yeah. Uh, Denver looked bad. Awful. They looked bad. I mean, so as a Philip Lindsay owner, I'm a little bit panicked here uh while he was he was more involved in the passing game than he was last year um joe flacco looks not great i mean he looked he looks old he looks like he's definitely at the end here and he's not like peyton manning at the end he's like joe flacco at the end uh, now Cortland sutton produced uh as everyone was was hyping him up to uh manuel sanders managed to as the game was pretty much out of hand uh turn out some garbage time production so uh rejoice manuel sanders owners he is still good uh the rest of the team though kind of falls on their face and i think a lot of that has to do with uh complete lack of a running game they couldn't get much of anything going they they eventually abandoned philip Lindsay for uh royce freeman uh and that kind of started working a little bit but it, it really wasn't and 
they were they were in in desperation mode for a lot of that game, which honestly good for Oakland and uh, they came out and John made a Gruden statement. with his you know John Gruden guys you know that's that's my guy there that's my grinder. Uh, they looked like a team ready to play ball, and for all the drama surrounding AB hard knocks and all that that happened in this off season, uh, good for them to go out against a division opponent and really kind of just stomp on them. The, the end score was a lot closer than this game actually was. Yeah, they came out and established early that they were they meant business. I mean, Tyrell Williams looked like he was motivated to prove that he could be what A.B. was supposed to be. Uh, and Darren Waller, I mean, say what you want about the tight end situation, but he replaced what Jared Cook had last year for, for Oakland. Now, one has to wonder if Denver was just that bad or if these players were just that good. Uh, I think if you are a Tyrell Williams owner, uh, he's not a true number one, so don't expect him to be as such. But being the number one on the team, they have designed plays to go to him as obvious, and he did catch them. He looks a lot better than his time in, in uh, uh, the Chargers system when they were in San Diego. Uh, Darren Waller, living up to the hype, that man looks like a machine. Yeah, he, he reminds me a lot of uh, what Chris Herndon was uh, thrown out last year at the end of the season. I was seeing a lot of uh, similar f- uh, physical performance like a Zach Ertz or a George Kittle. The guy looks like for his size, like he shouldn't be a tight end, like he would be a wide receiver, which for fantasy purposes, we love that. But the guy really to, to look at here... Uh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. He uh, he definitely proved the hype on him was real as well. I mean, he had what two scores and eighty some odd yards, ninety yards maybe. That, that was how you knew that the game was in Oakland's hands. Was they were able to pound the running game to absolute success. Uh, people who took a flyer on the rookie uh, don't think for any reason going forward. Uh, in my opinion, that that's going to slow down anytime soon. This offense is going to be uh, fueled by his running prowess. And just to show it, I mean, he had 23 carries, 85 yards, two scores. He only had one target in the receiving game, but they were up for a good majority of it, so there's no need to throw the ball to your running back. But if you're going to give the ball to him 20-plus times, I mean, that shows huge faith in the rookie. And uh, that just really good to see from the Raiders all in all. I think everyone can kind of agree that uh, with all the drama surrounding A.B. and everything in the uh, uh, recent offseason, uh, good to see them bounce back and get their win from you know how, how poor they were last year. Uh, all that being said, though, best game of the week, bar none, has to be the primetime game. Uh, Saints and Texans going at it. Just what a show. Came down to the wire. Uh, outstanding performances from both teams uh, and ended on just an absolute boot from Will Lutz. Career high, no less. Just the eight yarder. The the pressure in that situation, like that's that's a butt clencher right there. That's what Bears fans wish they had in a kicker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> We are a Packers podcast first, gentlemen <laughs> and ladies. Uh, but overall, we got to see some great performances. Deshaun Watson uh, looking like, well, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he did have a, a pick in that game with three touchdowns, uh, 268 yards. Great performance there. Uh, Hopkins won you your week. Doing Hopkins things. I mean, that that's why you draft Hopkins is because he's going to be the guy who's seeing the majority of the targets. He actually outpaced. Uh, Looks like the entire team in targets, 13 of them. That's just a lot. Uh, Will Fuller 
uh, putting up Will Fuller style numbers. He is going to be your guy who who may top out at three, four catches, but he likes to make long ones, and that's what what he did. Unfortunately, he couldn't do much more uh, than that. Only three targets in this game. Uh, good to see though them using Kenny Stills. The idea that Will Fuller v if he does go down with another injury, will have a backup uh, for them to. Uh, I was trying to think of something else that would rhyme with V. It, 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 you almost made it work, but I almost made it work. So, as a Will Fuller V owner, are you nervous that Kenny Stills is going to cut into his production? Not so much. No? Uh, obviously, they still use him the way they used him. Uh, I think that Kenny Stills surplanted Kiki Koti, and I think that uh, I don't know if I'm even saying that right, but uh, I think that that's kind of going to stay that way. Kiki Koti, I think, just moves down on the. I would depth agree chart. with you completely. Now, speaking of depth charts, do you trust any of the running backs in Houston at the moment? DJJ. Uh, although, you still trust Johnson. Although Carlos Hyde uh, got the most of his carries, uh, 10 for 83, uh, the way that they uh, deployed uh, Duke Johnson Jr. in the passing game tells me that he's more of kind of a, a focal point in the game plan. Uh, Carlos Hyde was more of a means to an end. I think that trend may continue, but if DJJ can get a hot hand going in a game rushing, uh, I think they may just ride it. That's fair. I mean, speaking of running backs, though, Alvin Kamara uh, from New Orleans doing Alvin Kamara things. Didn't find the end zone this week. Um, not concerning. I don't think they still carried him 13 times for almost 100 yards. And he had eight targets, seven catches, and 72. Uh, not finding the end zone with Latavius Murray kind of taking that one. Uh, that was a big run, though, so I'm not sure if you can really call that vultured. I think, honestly, uh, it, it, people – I mean, Matthew Berry was expecting – uh, Latavius Murray to produce in New Orleans and lo and behold he was given I mean less of a timeshare than Mark Ingram was but he still managed to produce with it and I think that kind of uh, option is going to be there you're going to see some vultured touchdowns from from Kamara but the fact that Kamara on 13 carries was able to put up 97 rushing yards and caught seven passes for 72 yards uh, we thought he'd be a stud and he is he absolutely is just he didn't find the end zone this week doesn't mean he's not going to find it again so uh, at the end of the day, expect him to only get better from here as the game goes on. So uh, speaking of people we thought were going to be uh, studs, Jared Cook going to New Orleans. Did you think he was going to have big things? Are you disappointed in his output? Uh, not so much. I think in this particular case, uh, if you look at the numbers, the Texans have been decent against tight ends in the past. Um, I don't know if this so much is indicative of the future. It makes me a little worried because I was expecting more of a game plan to get Cook the ball, and he only had three total targets in that game. Uh, but then again, seven to Kamara, uh, seven to Ted Ginn Jr., and... 10 of 13 targets for Michael Thomas, it looked like the receivers were just open. So with that being said about seven targets for Ted Ginn Jr., he is not owned in the majority of any fantasy football league. Seeing the those points on the waiver wire, do you think people are going to be tempted to go pick up Ted Ginn Jr.? Should they, and why shouldn't they? Uh, I think that at the end of the day, the Saints have proven that they're a good team. Uh, while some of their players have disappeared in the past, uh, this game was Jared Cook's disappearance, uh, if you could, I guess, maybe lack of emergence. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. does tend to kind of disappear in a lot of games as well. I think he's worthy of a bench stash uh, if you have an open spot, just in the sense of he may... I, mean, I look at him in a similar situation to uh, his counterpart uh, in Will Fuller 5. Yeah, I would agree with him. He's a fast, speedy guy. Uh, he's going to get some of those you know, deep bombs. Obviously, seven targets is quite a lot for Ted Ginn, especially being arguably the number 
three to four option in that offense next to obviously Michael Thomas, who did Michael Thomas things, uh, Alvin Kamara, and what should have been Jared Cook. So seeing a lot of targets for Ted Ginn Jr., um, probably not sustainable, but definitely worth a stash in certain matchups. For sure. Uh, now, wrapping up here, a uh, couple of uh, in-memorandums, uh, players who were top picks players who were your studs who didn't really perform as studs uh, i'll start us off here uh i'm gonna have uh Devante adams as a potential bounce back maybe not this week as they go into face against uh the the vikings who looked pretty good against the falcons but uh definitely not a 5.6 point game from a top tier player i agree and and Tyreek Hill withstanding as the injury makes him not produce. Uh, but looking at a stud who should have done more, Leonard Fournette, number one running back in Jacksonville. While not necessarily a first round pick, he is the number he's the guy in Jacksonville. So there should be no reason why he shouldn't be picked up. But he had a terrible game, had his first fumble of his career, lost fumble. Uh, I would expect more, but the the full situation doesn't leave me hopeful. Uh, I'm gonna go out and say the Browns as an offense. Uh, we saw Baker Mayfield uh, throw three picks. Uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry had okay games, but these guys are supposed to be studs. Nick Chubb, 10 points, not really where we expected these guys to be. The entire offense sputtered in a very tough game. Uh, I expect them to bounce back sooner rather than later, but uh, kind of a rough week for anybody who bet on Brown. Absolutely. And then very at the very least, we're going to also include Aaron Rodgers. While he did have a touchdown, uh, he didn't throw Aaron Rodgers numbers. Um, so, again, we're not going to panic over it, but he was drafted probably right after Mahomes in a lot of situations because uh, he is Aaron Rodgers. So uh, don't get nervous. Aaron Rodgers will still be Aaron Rodgers, much like certain people pick it back up. Um, it's just a bad, bad week one. So is there anybody left out there who... Uh didn't really see their big production that you might think that might continue, that might trend going forward. No one comes to the top of the mind right now. Let me throw somebody at you. Uh, Julian Edelman. I, I like Edelman. He's still going to be Tom Brady's security blanket. Uh, I do foresee a little bit of a, of a drop because of Antonio Brown. Um, the only person that really comes to mind with person who disappointed that I'm not sure is going to pop back up um, James Connor. But again, he wasn't, He's not a first or second rounder in a lot of places. Well, I, I would agree with that. James Conner definitely should produce more. Uh, similarly speaking, Juju Smith-Schuster should see uh, an uptick if uh, the Steelers can find themselves back in a situation where they're in a game. Uh, how about Zach Ertz? Yeah, he was a little bit gone. Um, I don't know if it was just a, he was the guy who was covered. or I mean, I don't believe he got hurt. The, the one and two tight ends, George Kittle and Zach Ertz, did not really perform like one and two tight ends. I mean, it's tough. I, I expected some regression from Kittle just because of the team that he's on in general. Good tight ends typically have good receivers to pull coverage. So you look at Zach Ertz, he's got Alshon Jeffrey, he's going to have Deshaun Jackson this year to pull coverage away from him. Whereas Kittle, who pulls coverage away from George Kittle? Dante Pettis? Marquise Goodwin? George Kittle pulls uh, coverage away from George Kittle. I mean, George Kittle will still do George Kittle things, but uh, temper expectations because who's throwing him the ball? A lot of what you're looking at is who is producing the points. So Kittle's amazing, but with Jimmy Garoppolo, are we that confident? So uh, thank you guys for so much for tuning in to the Techno Bros podcast. We're glad we were able to go over uh, all of the uh, scores and highlights from this uh, week one. So happy that football is back. Uh, going into week two, uh, the advice is simple. Don't panic. Start your studs. Uh, if you're looking for waiver wire help already, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but 
keep an eye out at some of the guys that we mentioned who produce, who we think will continue to produce. Uh, quick hit him and quit him. I'm a big fan of Hollywood Brown out of uh, the Ravens. And I still think John Ross is worth a, a roster spot. So if you can uh, scoop up a couple of those guys, if they're on your waivers, go for it. Uh, good luck in week two. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can find us at Tecmo Bros. FF, or you can shoot us an email at techmobros at gmail.com, um, techmobrosff at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us an, a, an email, shoot us a tweet, uh, just reach out to us. If you have any questions about start, sits, waiver, pickups, trades, by all means, throw that onto our social media. We'll be happy to help you. And uh, overall, we're, we're going to want to throw it out to Twitter. Usually we like to do a poll. We're going to actually leave it up to you guys. What was your game of the week from week one? Uh, which game were you uh, the most excited about? Uh, let us know on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to feature that next week. Uh, and uh, week, uh, week two, Thursday night game. Who do we got coming up here? Uh, Thursday night, I believe, is Tampa versus Carolina. Um, I mean, Run CMC is going to be the star of that show. Uh, I don't – besides maybe if you got Mike Evans, you kind of have to start that guy. But who else would you start in that situation? Uh, it's a Thursday night game. We always say beware the Thursday night games. Uh, so we look forward to that. Um, it, just off the top of your head, uh, throwing a dart at a dartboard, points scored by, by Christian McCaffrey on Thursday. Uh, in a full point PPR format, I'm going 37. 37. So he's going to just run the show. I'm expecting a lot of receptions. I'm expecting a couple scores from that guy. I'm going to say a, a modest 29.5. Uh, so yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Um, again, this was a Tecmo Bros podcast, a podcast uh, by fans for fans. Absolutely. And I've been Andy this whole time. I'm Sam. And we'll see you next time.